Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we are wrapping up June. June. With our movie this week from June of 2008, Kit Kittredge, An American Girl. Say words. <laughs> it was an interesting choice. You it, didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It was... <laughs> Slightly better than I expected. It kind of is better than it has any right to be. Yes, I had very low expectations, and this was not completely disappointing. Gah. Mm. You want to dive right in? Yes. Dive. All right. Exterior. (laughs) (laughs) Cincinnati. Child voiceover. It's June of 1934, and Abigail Breslin, the titular Kit Kittredge, is a precocious 10-year-old who wants to be a journalist. Aren't they all? And so she is... Now, I had a question right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. Which is, when is she narrating the story from? Probably the end of the story. Right. So this is not... Because your your first thing was... Was to kill a mockingbird. I remember that summer, you know, when we were told that we had nothing to fear but fear itself, and... And it goes on, I'm thinking, well, this is a woman remembering her childhood. No, this is just... This is a child, a child remembering their childhood. So my assumption is, end of the story, Kit Kittredge is telling beginning of the story? Yeah. That's what I think is happening. My guess is that the books are narrated from a child's point of view. I have not read the American Girl books. I Spoiler have alert, I have no not... absolutely reason to read them. I have not. I have no experience with American Girl. So Kit Kittredge has marched down to the Cincinnati newspaper to sell a story. I don't... What was the story about? The first I'm story that she brings down there, I, I don't remember. think she... I don't even know that they tell... They say anything about it because she has this thing in a folder uh-huh. and she ends up giving it to her brother's friend. Yeah. Her brother is a non-entity in this film. Never seen, not a once. So she hands... She wants to hand the... Her entrance right to the editor and uh her brother's friend is like oh no 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 <laughs> let me take that from you and he's a 19 year old who works as a person at the paper we don't know if he's a reporter fact checker would be my guess uh and then she goes back out on the street and in walking home she stops by her dad's work her dad is a car salesman and i think it was at this point where you said out loud and audibly, hmm, the depression doesn't seem to be hurting any of these people. <laughs> because this movie opens and everything is cherry and bright and great. Well, the depression is affecting other people. Yeah. Not our characters. Not our characters. Well. Now, we should explain <laughs> that this movie has a much better cast, probably, than yes. Chris O'Donnell is a dad. Julia Ormond. Julia Ormond is her mother. Is her mother. Abigail Breslin is a famous child actress and will be, I assume, a famous adult actress if that's what she wants. She is very good. Who do we have? As jo- the boarders, we've right. got a Joan Cusack. We've got a Stanley Tucci. We've got a Jane Kaczmarek. No, Krakowski. Krakowski, not Jane Kaczmarek. That's a different person. She's a brunette. And the editor, uh, uh, Jan Glenn Headley, Glenn? Uh, Glenn Headley, yes. Never knew how to say that name. Oh, is one of the other moms. And And Wallace Shawn is the mean editor of the paper. He's not mean. Who might actually be able to look Abigail Breslin in the eye. 
Yeah. Very... He seemed very tall in this, though, but maybe that they were doing some trick photography. And who else? I think that was that's pretty much it. Oh, and Hobo is casually strewn around this movie, but said very much like it's the N-word. They are, it's the swear word of choice. It is the derisive statement of choice. We have to take it in the context of the time. It actually meant something different. It's one of those words that's evolved. Here, yes, it was a a term of mockery. In this film, strangely enough, so is egg seller. Egg seller is just the lowest thing it can be. Well, no. The hobo is the (laughs) lowest thing. But egg seller is only one step above the poorhouse. These, um, there are some kids in this movie that I wanted to smack the shit out of. But, anyways, back that, to our heroine. That's the way the kids' movie is. The villains are always painted very broad and very nasty. It's not the villains that I wanted to smack the shit no, out the of. Villain, it's the little even kids. The kids. Oh, okay. Yes, they're, they're just sort of, when a person is bad, they're bad, bad, bad. Bad, bad, bad. That's true. So, she wants to be a reporter. She's 10. She doesn't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. But she's happy because... I feel that way about millennials. She's got a club with friends, and her family is doing great. And right at the beginning, she they're inducting a new member into their club, which is her best friend. Oh, no, it's not Ruthie's sister. It's like her friend Francie's little sister. Who is a great child actress, whoever that is. Whoever it is. And we only see her right. in a couple of scenes, but she is very funny. Yeah. And um, she, to me, she stole the first 10 minutes of the film. Yeah. She's and she's super cute. Like the right. the looks on her faces, like were pretty great. So they induct her into the clubhouse or into the club inside the clubhouse. But then they hear a ruckus outside, and they look outside, and that little girl's bed is being taken away. Apparently, foreclosure means everything out right and now. <laughs> one of the complications is that one of um. Kittredge. Um, one of the other members of her club is her, her. That girl's father is a banker, who is yes. Ruthie is her best people. friend. Her best friend's father is the banker who is making these foreclosure ch- choices, and so. And this is played by Madison Davenport, who's also a child actor. Who um, I think we recognized her from something, right? She has a doll too. She was in the Best Friends line. Oh yeah. She was in the movie with the the possession, right? Which is a book that is all about how you just stop going to yard sales. Movie. Stop going to yard sales. Don't buy anything in the no, yard sale. Just sales. don't buy a box. Just boxes are bad news. Clive Barker's been trying to tell us for right, nigh on true. forty years that we should not be buying boxes or getting boxes or trying to open boxes when we don't know where they're from. But garage sales. There's a new Hellraiser movie coming out. I know. I don't know how to feel about that. All right. And it's a very different thing than Kid Kidridge. So. I will say that Madison Davenport and Abigail Breslin both really do look like they're dolls. They look like their eyes are painted on. They're like the most doll looking children I've ever seen since Anna Sophia Robb. Oh, yeah. She's very doll like as well. Who might also be an elf, a doll of an elf. No, I don't think that. I think that's redundant. So then we have a dinner scene with. A rich uncle who is like real, real dick. He is basically berating them for everything that they do, including eating leftovers. Eating leftovers. Um, her dad doesn't finish his meal and says, "That's okay. I had a big lunch. Save it for leftovers." And 
We like leftovers, Abigail says. Kit. Kit says. Uh, But then we find out, because for school, the kids go and volunteer at a soup kitchen. And she sees her dad at the soup kitchen. Now, I know dads in 1934 may not have been super involved with their their kids, but... That should have been brought up at home, and he should have maybe not showed up at the soup kitchen that day. But anyways, he's out and busted. Yeah, it seems like she doesn't really have much communication. Well, I think with she, her dad as much as she does with her mom. Her right. mom is and, and well, know, her mom runs the household, and right. her dad runs the car. This is a very but kind of doesn't. traditional family in the sense of what families were then. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the whole story is really revolved around the. the Stability of having a home. Yes. So two of her friends lose their home. Mm-hmm. And then another of her friends. Well, we see them periodically friend, in the background. Yeah, I, we lose track of them. And then they move And to, then we find out right, that they've they, gone to Sacramento to live to with California, family. where all the poor people come to live. That's right. It's sunny here. If you're going to be homeless, do it in San Francisco because it's warm and you well, won't freeze Well, San Francisco, maybe not. I know that when we were... When we worked in Berkeley, there were people, homeless people who migrated to Berkeley. Yeah, no, of course. It was crazy. Because New York will kill you. Right. But I mean, we're not going to kill you. Other places in California, they would migrate to Berkeley because there was a whole park there. Oh, yeah. And that they could inhabit. Um, and there were more relaxed laws about things. Well, maybe not anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Everything is getting turned upside down. There is a scene sort of at the same time uh, while they were initiating their new member to their club. Mom was having uh, the friends over for tea. Right. And the ho- the hoitiest-toitiest one was like, we're staying at this fancy hotel while he is setting up for us somewhere else. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> and that's the family, of course, getting evicted, right? Uh, no, they no, weren't getting little... evicted. They were already evicted. I mean, they were, on. They were already staying at the poor house. Right. Um... I can't. It was like a. It's like a fifteen cents a night rooming mm-hmm. house that they were staying at, um, which is. But they have her, and she sees that she she catches her going into that door like one day, and she is mortified to be caught because she is trying to put on airs that she is not. Well, as the poor story off is as all about else. people lying to their children. Yeah. I think. And each other. And each other, but mostly to children. And Because she was at that tea party, right. not talking to a child in sight. No, she but was definitely trying to keep about, up airs for um, there. When Kit discovers her father at the... Um, soup kitchen. Soup kitchen, there's a sense there that he's hidden this from her. Right. And then later on, he goes off to look for work in Chicago. Yes. And stops writing to her. Right. And so this, again, is this sort of omission... Between right. the parents and the kids. And, but I mean, yes. And we'll, we'll come up back to that writing right. thing. Um, so Kit finds out that her dad has lost the dealership. The, the bank is foreclosed on the dealership, which, yeah, that's a rough trade to be in during a depression. Nobody has the money to... For a luxury. For a luxury yeah. like a vehicle. Mm. And so he goes to Chicago to find work. Now they're in Cincinnati, so he's going to Chicago to find work. And in the meantime, mom is going to take in boarders. So in an effort to help pay their mortgage, they have um, that friend 
uh, which we said earlier, who was not staying at a fancy hotel, but was in fact staying at a rooming house with her son come. And uh, then they also have a magician, Mr. Burke. That's uh, the Tooch, family Tucci. And we've got the dance instructor, Miss Dooley. Now, I would have to say that I really would insist that her legs have a separate credit since they get more screen time than her face. And They might, actually. They, and it's, she's very impressive, I think, because I've only really, I, I haven't followed her career much. So I've just seen her do She's a comedy, Broadway but, person. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. She's a singer, dancer. You didn't watch Ally McBeal, so no, I did not watch Ally McBeal. That's where my re- my reference to her comes from. But she's also, of course, right. on uh, Kimmy Schmidt. The only part that I'm familiar with. And then we have the mobile librarian, who's played by James. A woman Joe who should Cusack. not be noble. Mobile, mobble. yeah, she, she can't should not drive. Be mobile. She can't drive. She is constantly wrecking things, knocking stuff over, and you figure this poor family who's impoverished, and she just keeps destroying their fence with yeah. her. And it's a beautifully made. Bookmobile. The bookmobile is very cool. It's like an old-fashioned, um, well, it's 1934. So, with glass yeah. sides. It's uh, like it's... a school bus, but with glass sides, and mm-hmm. you yes. can see all the books. Really? Not great for the books. Glass, no, books it, don't like times, sunshine, uh, but... There's a... It, it, well, we know that. <laughs> I don't know that they knew that in 1934. And, and just to put it into a perspective for why we're taking this so seriously, we both met working in a bookstore. Yeah. And I've worked in antiquarian books since I was 19. How so, many years is that? That's a lot of a years. A lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a scene, there's a, a chase near the end of the film where the bookmobile is swaying back and forth and books are flying out of it. And I literally was cringing as I was watching it's this. Rough. It is hard. God, those books. But anyhow, so, going back to the story. And So they have these people move into the, the house. Um, she moves herself up to the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, Kit does. Kit does. Uh-huh. And at the same time, we meet a couple of hobos. Right. Now, hobos have been thrown around as sort of a dirty word. These are two young people. Uh, one's a straight child, and the other one is, oh, what is he, 14 maybe? He's like a tween? Yeah, nah. I'm guessing. Tween is under 13. Oh, I don't know in this terms. Of yeah. As well as I said. I again. would say that he's 13, 14, 15, right in there. One's white and one's black. Mm-hmm. Uh, their names are Will and County. County is the little black child, played by Willow Smith. And spoiler alert, it's a little girl. Right. Presented as a little boy because yeah, she's six or something right. like that. Yeah, let's go ahead and say that she's a boy because little girls get. Uh, that was very kind of. Um... Sideways reference in there that little girls can get in trouble yeah. in the hobo life, and and I think that was a, an interesting note because the rest of it is done. The rest of the presentation of the hobos, there's a hobo jungle that gets presented. Yeah, the and it's pretty squeaky clean, man. I would right. go there. I, I would. Yeah. And, well, yeah, that's the thing, Miss Miss Kittredge doesn't have a problem with her kids just going there, but we meet but Will we, and County because they come looking for work to do in exchange for food. And just so that Max Theriot, I guess, is yeah. how you pronounce his name. I think it's Shepherd. Theriot. I don't know that. I think it's probably. A Theriot? Yeah. Yes, I think it's. And he is the older brother from, oh no, I've forgotten the name of the show. Bates Motel. Ba- the Bates Motel. And right. he's just, he's, he's actually a, a guy, I kind of like him. He's in a lot of places. The one thing I 
that bothers me about him uh-huh. as an adult. This doesn't matter in, in this because he's far too young, but mm. whenever he tries to grow facial hair, it's ridiculous. Please don't do that, sir. It's not for <laughs> you. But because he does have like a baby face and then uh-huh. it comes in wispy and weird and I'm just like, no, it looks funny. <laughs> but um, he's very good. And he's quite good in this, even as a child. Yes, he was. A, he's all, he has a lot of screen presence, I mm-hmm. think, for a young person. And that he's was, got really engaging eyes. Yeah, he, he keeps the of attention of, of the camera most of the time. And everyone in this film is a scene stealer. That's one of the unusual That's things true. about the cast. Every person in this film is mm-hmm. a person who has stolen a scene in a film or stolen an entire film from somebody yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. So he and County come looking. For work. For work. They mm-hmm. want to work. They don't want to. They don't want to freeload, and they don't want anything like that. Because this is the work. difference between a hobo and a bum. Oh, is that? This is the difference that was taught to me. Now, because I'm older, my parents would tell me stories. My mom, in particular, about growing up outside of Los Angeles, and how there were hobos that would come in from the tracks all the time, mm-hmm. and that she would feed them. But hobos insisted on working. And bums were bummed. They didn't. So they had a sort of a respect for themselves. And they didn't have an issue with that title. So hobos are workers, bums are freeloaders. Right. Hobos are people who ride the rails. They'll work for, you know, whatever you give them. And they do all sorts of work. But they're generally sort of vagrants. They'll be out the next train. They don't right. pay for these train rides, by the way. No, no, no. They're, they're riding the rails for uh-huh. free. It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. I would refer people, if they want to know how dangerous, there's a really good film, Emperor of the North Pole, with Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine, which is about the horrors. Who loses a leg? You've heard about this? No. I, it was a guess. <laughs> no, no. My, my, uh, the, also, yes. My, oh, you, my, I know that you my were grandfather familial lost a leg trying to jump the, the rails. And he, he was jumping the rails to get out of town when he was uh, a little less than sober, and his leg went under the, the mm. wheels. And um, I'm afraid of trains as a paying passenger. I'm well, just like. Mm. Funny thing was, there was one time, and I used to work at a, a book distributor, since we brought that up, that was way out in Edgewater in Oakland, which is literally, there were no sidewalks where we were. And it, you had to cross, take a bus that crossed around all these train tracks to get to the commuter train station that would take me home. And there was one day where the bus didn't show up, so we all decided to walk, a bunch of us from work. And there was a train parked on the tracks. Mm-hmm. And for some strange reason, we decided to creep over the train to get to the other side. And the minute that the, we crept over the train... How about you go around it? Or you well, wait it couldn't. Until it it gets was far out too long in another direction. Oh. And, you know, out there it was very marshy and swampy. So we crossed over the train. The minute we got on top of the train, it started to move. And I started getting flashbacks no, of my no, grandfather. No, 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 no. <laughs> And how he lost his leg. It was, yeah, it was very creepy. This seems very bad. But anyhow, yes, it's actually dangerous. This is a very sanitized version of both the hobo of jungle well, and yes. riding the rails. It is a children's movie. However, it I will make the point. It is maybe one of the more depressing children's movies I've ever right. seen. But it, it is a children's movie. It was less sanitized than I expected, but still... A very cheerful view of the world, very optimistic. But go on. So we're. I think we're, that's because we're seeing it through the eyes of this very optimistic child, right? Who's incredibly optimistic. Um. So Will and County, because her mom is soft-hearted, are sort of hired to do work around the place and are fed. So they kind of keep popping up around. And at one point, her mom gives Will some boots because his boots are. 
I mean, basically just scraps right. held on by tape. Like, it's really, it's not good. So she gives him some boots, and these boots are special because there is a star on the heel imprint. And these are her husband's boots. Mm-hmm. Her husband, again, having gone to Chicago. Chicago. So this plays a part in the plot later on. Yes. So... Uh, Kit again tries to write a story of the depression from a li- through the eyes of a child, and she takes that to the editor, the mean editor, Wallachan, and he reads it, and he's like, you know, this isn't bad, but it's I'm not publishing it. And, and like, we should say, mean editor... He's only, not mean. He's, he's not, an editor of a paper. Right. <laughs> he's I, no I don't meaner ex- than any exactly what she expected to get from the editor yeah. of an actual newspaper. Yeah. Whether You're 10. Right. She has the expectation she can just walk in and present this typewritten manuscript. And you do see her working at the typewriter a lot. Yes. Um, She does. She is dedicated to her craft. I will say that. And then she and her friends go visit the hobo camp? Jungle? jungle. Hobo Hobo jungle. jungle. And we start learning about the hobo symbols. So, and this is a thing that I know is true, and yes. I don't think that they're using real symbols in this, but mm-hmm. there were and are, it still happens now, mm-hmm. symbols placed in, like, on corners, on the streets, right. where things are safe or where things aren't safe. No, we, <laughs> we're introduced to this to, in a really interesting way, frankly, which is that the mobile librarian, John Cusack's Miss Lucinda, she carries around books to people, and she's just sort of shoving books at, at people all the time. She, yeah. she shoves Robin Hood at... Um, at Will. At Will. Yeah. And that becomes a plot point later on. That yeah. When... Well, we'll get to that. But she also tries to get um, County to read a book, and she says, I only read Hobo. Yes. And that goes into an explanation of later on, well, well Kit and her little friends are wa- going towards the Hobo jungle because they're just going to, you know, pay a visit. And, it, well, at that point... Two, I want to point out, uh-huh. one of the other kids says, I'll teach you to read English if you, you teach, teach me, me to read Hobo. hobo. Um, so reading is fundamental, kids. <laughs> but I, the first time I read about that, I, it was actually in a Sherlock Holmes adventure. Oh, um, interesting. And uh, there was an explanation of Holmes pretending to be a homeless man so he could go around and find out things about uh-huh. this very mysterious household by reading the hobo signs. Oh, interesting. And okay. so that was a, an actual plot point. And so when I saw this, I was kind of interested because, again, the similarity. Yeah. The same sort of ideas that there's symbols that are used when a house has good trash. Yeah. And there's food to get picked from it. Right. Uh, uh, when a, pe- the lady is nice here. And it's a cat, isn't it? Or something? Yes. It's like an old lady with a cat. It's been a symbol. Probably goes back to Egyptian times. Oh, probably. Go back to ancient Egypt and find Bubastis and a woman. And mm. there you go. Oh, and there you go. It's, a safe, right. it's safe here. Yeah. But That's um, a me. <laughs> but uh yeah so the hobo camp is where we meet we get to learn about hobo manners like yes. for instance everyone works together they bring it's a collective. there's a very stone soup right. vibe to it where everybody brings what they can mm-hmm. and they put it all into the pot and everybody takes some and if you didn't if you couldn't contribute anything you'd work harder the next right. day so this is an idealized uh, socialist, socialist utopia. utopia. <laughs> yes, I mean, um, it's not a utopia because there are also sleeping. Because they're also broke, intense, and they're you know they've got a nice encampment though. It's right. right it's on a running creek, mm-hmm. so they've got water coming through, right. and everybody's looking out for themselves. And the actor who for plays each other. Colin Mockery. Mockery. Colin Mockery from whose line? 
Right. Is where I know him from. He plays a very, uh, a former banker. Yes. Who is a very, which is which strikes Margaret's, or Kit's friend. Uh, Ruthie. Well, that's, by the way, that's her real name, Margaret Mildred. Yeah. Which strikes Ruthie as wrong because her father is a banker. So looking at the possible future of her yep. father. And he says something interesting. He says, you'll find a lot of formers. Right. Here. Like. There's a lot of formerly this. And I, I liked Colin Marker. I liked his character almost the most in this film because he had a sort of a like a genteel, dandified yeah. coming down in the world. And he's still right, holding on he, to what's left of his suit. Well, he, <laughs> he what you also suit, kind right. of get from him, to me, uh-huh. I was like, oh, he was a good dude. That's yeah. why he was a banker and did not make it right, through the exactly. Great Depression. That, because he's very Because very I polite. think there are plenty of bankers uh-huh. Not good dudes who are doing fine. Hey, Ruthie, how's your dad? <laughs> we never meet him. I don't know if he's bad. Um, he actually does. We do hear at one point that yeah. they hold foreclosure for off for a, at least a month for for uh, the for Kittredge families. Yeah. yeah, but um, but that I love the sort of interactions that he has with the kids because. He has children of his own, but he is probably too ashamed to admit where he is. He's he is the stand-in, of course, for her father, right? Who is at another encampment somewhere, at another yeah. city, not writing to his kids because he doesn't have good news, right? Right. Which again is why this film is better than it probably needed to yeah. be. The audience for this, this intended audience for the film is not going to appreciate little touches like mm-hmm. that, probably. Probably not. But it, it was. I think he gave a really nice performance, and there's so many character actors in this movie. Um, yeah, there's a ton of people. Like, right. It's a little bit bananas. So Kit uh, ends up adopting a dog because what you need is another mouth to feed, and unfortunately, then she comes home, and there are chickens. Chickens, which are the bait of her Chickens existence. are... So her neighbors, who had been evicted at the beginning of the movie, had been selling eggs to get by. And everybody knew that that was like... Like, once you start selling eggs, you're you're doomed. That's it. There's nothing... Which, I mean, I get it. But, um... So she's like, yeah, she... <laughs> Where, I'm not an egg seller! <laughs> like, she freaks out. And I now, one like, thing that we didn't mention is that the family that's come down in the world, her associate, her friends, I get mocked by a particular little boy at school who I thought was going to be a much bigger part oh, of the plot. Punch that yeah, no, he's only in a couple of scenes. Yeah, he's he like is the first, the worst, the villain of the first fifteen minutes of the film, and that's why I kept thinking, are we going to ever come back to him when we don't? Yeah, it's literally his, and he is a just a right wing dream child. Just a, I, I refer to him as a tiny Alex P. Keaton. He, yeah, it was, yeah. if you don't have a job, you're a freeloading asshole and th- nothing can become of uh, you. With like, the exception of, of the word asshole, yes, that's exactly what he expresses I mean, it's literally teacher. like... He doesn't want to, uh, you know, visit the soup kitchen at the beginning of the film. He yeah. is mocking one of the kids who is having He's just constantly, yes. And, like, through no... Fo- I mean, first of all, it's not the kid's fault. They're right. ten. Like, what, what are they going to do? And, yeah, no, he's this little kid in a bow tie and a slick back hair. And I was like, can we punch him? <laughs> because he is only going to grow up to be a terrible person who's going to put our country in danger. Right. We're projecting. So, well, this is hindsight being, right. being what it is. Uh, yeah, no, this kid was terrible. But it, he was of that mind that of, child grew up to be if Jared you don't Kushner. have a job, it's your fault. Right. And... 
you are lesser human for it. And it's just like... Well, yeah, the, the idea that failure... And, and and this is the Great Depression. This was horrible, and it hit everyone really hard, and yes. people got taken down very And you know badly. whose fault it was? Not the people who got punished. <laughs> like, it wasn't their fault. Hmm. So we're at the hobo camp. We meet the hobos. We learn about their lifestyle. Yeah. And... So this goes around in not in circles. It's not like the film isn't entertaining, but because it always it does kind of spiral a little bit, and, right? And and it's it's probably longer than it needs to yeah. be. Um, but so we keep getting these interstitials of the magician doing magic tricks, various magic character. tricks. He makes the Ms. Bond the um, librarian mm-hmm. uh, hover. He levitates her. He levitates her, and. Then at one of these magic shows, somebody is talking about how there have been break-ins, hobo right. break-ins. There's been a wave of hobo crimes committed in all sorts of local, local counties. And this is something also the newspaper uh, editor that Wallace Shawn's character points out. Right. It's like, we don't need good stories about hobos because she wants to present a story that puts the hobos in a good light. Yeah. No, because look, there's a crime there's wave. There's a crime wave. hobos breaking And she had actually seen one of these crimes happen and mm. seen a brightly colored tattoo on the arm of the person who right. committed the crime. Maybe a bird. Maybe a bird, um, but it was brightly covered, colored, yeah. uh-huh. and uh, so she knows that 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 there is a hobo with a brightly colored tattoo that has committed these crimes, and there's a break-in nearby, and these shoe prints are found with the stars. Now we should go back to the the, the uh, levitation scene because. Okay. We're told that there's hobo break-ins, so oh, right. people start volunteering to get all their belongings and put them in this in a lockbox. lockbox. That they're keeping in the basement, right. the Kittredge's basement. And, and that also includes mm. all of their money, like $2,500 to pay the mortgage. Right, Apparently, exactly. the mortgage gets paid once yearly, I think is... Or payment or, on the mortgage. Or there, yeah, maybe that's what... It, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's And I always forget her name, good Lord. Uh, Joan Cusack? Ruthie. Oh, Ruthie. Ruthie yeah, confesses, oh, you know, all of our money is locked up safe. In, in our basement. basement. Yeah. Which is when the robbery happens later on in the story. Oh, that's where it is. That's right. She says, right. everything's in my basement, and, and they laugh. Cause they're like a banker who doesn't trust the bank. Right. And it turns out that that basement's what's broken into, and that's the first suspicion you have of Will, because he overheard that He was there. He, he had walked in. And it's it's laid on pretty thick, because, again, it's laid on for kids. Yeah. Is that you're supposed to make the connection between his reading Robin Hood, robbing from the rich and... Giving, giving the poor, is living in a hobo jungle full of poor people right. who have nothing, and then overhearing exactly where the money the money is. is. Yeah, and the final clue being the boot print, the boot print with the star in the heel. Right, so it's the boot that was loaned to. Uh, it was given to Will. Will or given to Will by not loaned. She doesn't want them back. No, given to Will. <laughs> then their lockbox is stolen. The Kittredge's lockbox is stolen. And the belongings of all the boarders. And all of the boarders had given items of value to her to lock up with them. And um, they, the police are implicated, like, believe it's Will, right? right. They, they talk to her about the boots. Um, but Kit and Kit's mom absolutely doesn't believe that it's Will because he, he knows that they're not rich. Right. Like... There, he wouldn't take from them because he knows what they're going through. Uh, At this point, he's there so often. 
He's there like every day, he's, probably. He's like Murphy Brown's painter, husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like they're, they're well, part of the Well, he actually family. fucking straight up moved in. Um, he had a, he had a room, which how much painting? Yeah. Anyway, so um, the sheriff goes to to pick up Will, basically, but they're not there. They're not at the hobo jungle anymore, and then they do find the boots, though. Yeah, the boots are there. And so they he's find inside of it a brooch that belonged to the to belong to the yeah the the mom of the boy. Oh, the mom of the boy. I'm sorry, I thought it was the librarian. No. So then we get this. It it feels a little bit like uh, the last scene in The Usual Suspects, where the kids are up in the treehouse, like it's not Will. So who is it? And then they like piece together what's happened. So they figure. Oh, because that's the other piece. Mm-hmm. Mr. Burke, the um, magician, the magician has a cousin who has been injured uh-huh. and is coming to stay with them. That was the other thing is there was at Ruthie's house when the the hobo ran away with the the loot. I mean, it's so he's limping like he's visibly limping. Right, exactly. And is seen. Like, they stage it so that somebody sees a limping hobo. So, then Mr. Burke's cousin comes with his pet monkey, which was an addition that I don't know that we needed, but that's all right. And yeah, I'm not sure that the monkey or the dog add anything to the film at all. Yeah. It's like they don't contribute to the plot. There's no, not a moment where the monkey... They're just you know, animals. Oh. The monkey spreads Ebola or the dog rescues somebody. Like It's they, all bad. They These are the uselessness to animals. Right. And so I felt really bad because the household keeps getting burdened with more and more, more things. More mouths to feed. Right. They're not contributing. Oh my gosh, Bums. I that that kid. <laughs> <laughs> then Kit is introduced to uh, his brother and his brother's huge tattoo of a parrot on its his arm. And he also has a limp because he has just been wounded, injured, and doing something. Yes, Maybe got... during that first right. robbery. And so they've put together, he's the one, and Mr. Burke was the inside man. Right. Not Will, inside the Kitteridges, and Ruthie's, really. And they're the ones that are doing it, but they have to have an accomplice who's the accomplice. It's Miss Bond. It's the librarian. Because, and they figure this out, because she had seemingly been forced into being his levitation partner. Jane wanted it, but she was like, he was like, no, you should do it. Uh, Jane needs a man. Well, yes, Jane really is pointing her boobs at whatever male is walking in. And I don't see why. Trying to get some. She's going to end up married to Wallace Shawn. Spoiler alert. She could do better. Well, maybe Um, not. She hasn't. (laughs) But yes, it's just funny. It's it's a trope of the movie that really... She's like throwing herself at Mr. Burke and then at Mr. Burke's cousin and then at Wallace Shawn at the end. The monkey was the only one safe. Mm. But that's like a trope of movies that really beautiful women cannot get Can't. a man's attention no matter Cannot. What. Just no matter how hard they try. She wanders through the film in these shorter shorts allowed during the Depression. It's true. She She's was constantly not dancing wearing a lot. and singing and smiling, yet no one is paying attention to her. And I'm thinking, oh, God, yeah, this is yeah. obviously a children's film. And But then they figure out that you can't, like, you can't levitate somebody without an assistant. Like, right. they have to be in on it. So if... Ergo, she must be in on it. And they 
end up chasing them down. Well, but there's a, a nice tense scene where Kip goes upstairs into the bedroom where the brothers are occupying and finds all the evidence conveniently laid out in a chest. It's so convenient. You would think that if you just robbed a house, you wouldn't put all the, the damning evidence inside of a chest on the foot of your bed. You're incorrect. But, no, that's not it, what happened. I needed easy access for framing of other people. Right. But it was it was actually pretty funny. And that leads to a suspenseful scene where maybe the kids will get caught, maybe they won't. Well, that's right. They're hiding, they're hiding in a closet. closet. And, you know, they, they almost get caught. Then it leads to Kit saying that she's going to pursue them to call the police. Then uh, runaway um, bookmobile woman. Oh, says, oh, she says, I'm going to call the police, and mm-hmm. then she gives them a ride. Right, and right. then she gives the other two children Because they ride. haven't figured out that she's the accomplice yet. Right, and then once they all get together to find where the property, the stolen stuff has been buried, so they can jump the next yeah. train out of town. There's that chase, there's a chase, and these chases, how can you put it? It was very much like Benny Hill. But I needed them. I wanted them to be in fast motion because oh yeah, they weren't. They are just sort of like watching middle-aged people running after kids. Yeah, <laughs> this just, is just not everything good. is just moving at such a pace. And there's there is the, the the sort of funny kind of calliope almost music in the background. Yeah, that's trying to get this to sort of speed right. up, but it yeah. is really just a bunch of footage of people. They end up too tired to be chasing children. They end up running. They they switch a hobo marker mm-hmm. so that it's pointing the opposite direction of the hobo jungle and then mm-hmm. they run towards the hobo jungle and then they hide there and they, they're hidden by the hobos they know the hobos because they've been there before right. and treated them respectfully you know when kid's mom said oh you want to go to the hobo jungle be my guest like, why not <laughs> be back by dinner now, <laughs> wouldn't you think that mom would go to the hobo jungle herself in the very least rather than I just let her would, kids but she's very busy I, I i don't think i would have ever allowed my son to visit a hobo jungle and you know what ladies not and gentlemen if he said the phrase hey could i go to the hobo jungle right. now, now again i should re- rephrase that ladies and gentlemen that's just people <laughs> Um, People! There are still hobo jungles, more or less. Yep. Within a few miles of where we're sitting right now. Uh, yeah. Um, several of them. Yep. I do not think I would ever let a 10-year-old go roaming around in there. No. Not because I don't trust the innate goodness of people, but because half the time we pass by there, someone's in a fist fight. So. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's a lot more... Mm. Um, a substance use that right. they really are showing here, and yeah, things like that. But so they they're hidden, and then Stanley Tucci runs in. I'm looking, like my kids, they got away. Right, he's telling everyone that they're his kids. It's that classic. I'm never ever gonna believe, specifically a white dude, but a dude who goes into a public place and is like, "I'm looking for this person. They're not doing well, and I am trying to protect them." Well, That's always a kidnapper or a rapist. Move <laughs> is even worse, which is nobody knows where the kids are. Here's a hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, more than that. I think he. Uh, like, he think he got like four hundred dollars, right, which is a Huge amount of money, especially for these in people. 1930 something or other. Yeah, no, that's true. And so he's just like waving this money around, like that doesn't make you suspicious at all, sir. I can't imagine what you want from those children. Yeah, and of course the hobos, the, their basic dignity, and yeah, they're not going to flip for your fucking four right. bills, dude. And then there's a very tame fist fight 
Yeah. Where uh, Colin Mockery takes him down. Will she, yes. When Colin, <laughs> when Colin Mockery at the start of your fist fight, that, that's yeah. about the level that we're that's at. That's where we're at. <laughs> and then Will shows up, and then there's a, the big scuffle, and then finally, um, uh, Miss Lucinda, the, the mobile librarian, turns on them. Yeah. Because they were supposed to be like Robin Hood, mm-hmm. taking from the rich and giving to the poor, but then they were just taking from the rich and the poor. And keeping it. I really felt like you, I... You just did? You just channeled it. I just really her? felt like I channeled some Everything Joe Cusack except, for a second. Except for the list. But which, <laughs> I can't do that. And I won't. So. She laid on really thick, too, for some reason. She almost seems to be in another film. <laughs> like, she's just... Really... I think each of these people is in their own movie. Right. Uh, and then we get the epilogue, where Kit realizes, oh, selling eggs is kind of fun, and... Uh, the hobos bring them a bunch of stuff right, goes on to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving dinner. The rich, gr- and like I was like, I'm gonna cry. The, the rich uncle is there. <laughs> the rich uncle is there, and so yeah. is the last remaining. Why does the rich uncle keep coming to their house for dinner? Why is he not having them over? Because and paying for that. He's, shit? he's trying to teach them a lesson about a how um, how you have to struggle hard to get what you want, and if you're poor, you're not struggling hard enough. He's a nightmare. But the final scene is actually very sweet because all of the hobos turn up at Thanksgiving dinner, bring whatever they have. What do they have? Milk or right. vegetables? And or... to put it together so that there's a big sort of... And meal. then they, they are invited, of course, right. to stay. Well, and then, and then uh, the final guest to show up, of course, is uh, Kit's father. Dad! Who comes back. Um, there's a After there's a very lovely... Is it... The little, it's the little boy, right? Who we who's there with his mom. Much. Um, he's a he's a good character right. too. Um, but he goes up to Colin Mockery and he says, um, "Do me a favor for me. Mm-hmm. Write your son a letter tonight." Yeah, because uh, earlier in the because film, he hasn't gotten the any letters boy from his kids, actually, or from he, his who dad. had not gotten letters from his father, had actually faked a letter to his mom and sent her some money that he had stored away. I missed that that was what had happened. In order to make her feel better about being totally abandoned. Yeah. So that kid is a stand-up kind of kid. Yeah, he is. He's not a great kid in emergency situations. During the suspenseful scenes, He's ten. he faints twice, you know, like knocks himself <laughs> in the head. So I think that, yeah, he's, he's, he's not going to grow up to be an action hero, although Colin Mockery might, you know, with those um, hobo jungle moves he has. But... <laughs> right? Um, that, the, and that's pretty much the note the film ends on, is that it's... Um, they're going to be fine. Kit's dad's going right. to come home and look for work where where he is, right. because Chicago wasn't any better than Cincinnati, but at least here he's with his family. Uh-huh. Uh, the bunch of the community had, like, pitched in, so they were going to be okay, right. like, mortgage-wise. Um, and... They were still, you know, working. and I mean, I've got to assume that they lost some borders because they were going to jail. Well, they lost at least three, but the Jane Krakowski's character finally scores uh, by... Wallace Shawn shows up to show right. Kit that her paper or her article about this whole thing that we've right. just watched, my guess is we just watched the article, uh, is in print. She is a printed journalist at fucking 10. God damn it. <laughs> And that uh, she's going to get paid for it. So now she understands that this That's is a, right. going to be a possibly a lucrative career. 
And um, like three hundred dollars. Yes. Uh, Wallace on article wins the big prize for showing up. That that's again. This is a Hollywood world. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was uh, a little bit darker than I thought it was going to be. Well, I didn't know anything. I didn't know when it took place. You mm. knew it was during the Depression. I knew it was during the Depression because I did a little bit of reading. I was actually apprehensive about watching this film because I'm a snob. Rude. Um, it's got Tucci in it. I am a terrible anything snob. Anything with the Tooch. And so... <laughs> also, as soon as I saw Stanley Tucci, I was like, oh, he's probably the bad guy, right? right. It's like when you see the person that you know in a Law & Order episode, you're like, oh, you're the bad guy. <laughs> this is a chance for you to act. Act. But, With a mustache. Um, mustache acting. Right, which is actually the least subtle kind of acting. But he did a good job. I mean, everyone here is sort of... There's a scene where Julia Ormond sees her husband. Oh, yeah. And she goes with a complete, not glamorous... No, she ugly down. cries. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, like, why is she ugly crying in a kid's movie? Maybe but, she doesn't... She doesn't have a pretty cry, maybe. I don't know. But she does. She full-on sobs. I was just like, damn. Yeah, no, I appreciated that. I appreciated the fact that she just sort of went for it. I'm in this kid's movie. I'm going to do this. And some of the kids, some of the um, actors were doing kid's movie acting. You know, they're gesturing to... Chris O'Donnell, actually, who I'm always on the fence about because I really don't know... I, I don't know if I don't like him. Or, or if he's just choices. always been in terrible things. Right. Well, You I'm, don't watch NCIS, whatever he's in. I think, I think he was in really LA. good in Fried Green Tomatoes. I haven't seen it. Um, for the, the I have seen it, but I didn't know he was in it. So for all intents and purposes, I haven't seen it. Right. He's in the film. Very briefly, he's kind of... His uh, death in the movie is a catalyst for the entire story to move forward. Spoiler. Well, it God happens in the first ten damn. minutes. And everything is about... He's dying. So, um, by the way, he's killed by a train. <laughs> so, oh, see? It all comes back It all out. comes together to those trains. So, um, yeah, I, I think he did a lot better, and he was actually really sort of acting at an adult level. And maybe that was a conscious choice by the director to have Julia Ormond and Chris O'Donnell being the parents acting. Like adults. Like adults. Like the rest of the... The, um, the other adults, not so much acting The other adults like adult. are acting like a, ch- a child's idea of... A, Adults act like. Yeah. They're, they're sort of goofy and they're bantering and they're broken down into almost stereotypes of, of what they are, except for, of course, Colin Mockery, who, who's a, a rounded character. Yeah. Uh, but Wallace Shawn shouts and yells and, you know, sticks his finger, tucks his fingers Why in his Ayana? waistcoat. And, yeah. you know what? And Jane Kukoski is constantly dancing all the time for some reason. So we know that she's a showgirl and she's dancing. So that we know she's a showgirl. She's a dance instructor. I'm sorry. There's a. A chlorine, a chlorine, a chlorine. A what? Chlorine. A chorus I, girl is a chlorine. Oh, I don't, C-H-O-R-I-N-E. I've never heard that. I thought you it's said. A very, I was going to say chlorine. Like the pool. Which is how she dyed her hair. But yes. Chlorine. Sort of. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I, my experience with American Girl mm-hmm. dolls was simply, oh no, I can't afford those. Those are now, when for were you rich girls. This? Oh, when I was a child. Okay. And also now. I because I did not. That. I knew that they were pricey, but I mm-hmm. did not know they were triple digit pricey. Uh, a an, an American Girl doll costs $115 mm-hmm. 
doll only. No accessories, no extras, no nothing. So what does that mean? They just send you a naked doll inside the washable I think she's got straw? a basic outfit. Okay. I, but typically, like, I guess when you go into the store... It's a whole ordeal. You can dine. There's a there's dining there, and there's it's a, like a whole thing. But it could be six hundred dollars by the end. of I their don't trip. understand the appeal of dolls because frankly, they just sort of creep me out. But These ones especially, they all have like little buck teeth, like oh all God. of them. But what exactly is it when people collect dolls? It's what's the it's appeal? not my jam. Okay, but I mean, historically, you give a baby doll. To a girl who's going to learn how to raise a baby in T minus 10 years from when right. you hand her that first well, doll. That's true. You know it's what part I mean? of the culture. It is. You know. Or you're already, they're already helping because they've got a little sibling. Right. So, I mean, I think that's historically where dolls well, come that's from. Reinforcing gender roles. Of course it is. You do this and you give a boy a gun. And there are, yes, cars, <laughs> guns. Right. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, and there are American boy. It's it's not called an American boy doll. I can't it? imagine the abuse. There is a boy. Uh huh. His name is Logan. And he has these claws. Meet Logan, Penny's steel. bandmate and drummer. Okay. He has gray eyes that open and close, and short brown hair. His unique hand position helps him hold instruments, which means. Instruments are sold separately. For another $200, probably. Um, he's got a performance outfit that's $34. Wowza. Um, so, oh, and a drum set that is $68. But honestly, pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had, I had two dolls growing up that I recall. I mean, I had a Barbie, but I had a Malibu Barbie because she was the cheapest, yeah. because she only had a bathing suit, so there wasn't a lot of fabric. My mom sewed a very, very cool wedding dress right. outfit yeah. for her, and a full tux, including like little leather moccasins for uh -huh. Ken. I'm not, I had good, I had good Barbie situation, but... The Barbies I had were the cheap ones because right. they didn't have all the accoutrements. Um, and then there was a, like a rag doll. And I can't remember what the other one was. The rag doll ended up with cigarette burns on it. I don't know if that was an on purpose or an on accident. I'm sorry. And then I think we had plastic baby dolls too, but it was mostly shit that could be made. Like, that was, and what were made by my parents, by my mom, well, by my mom. My dad wasn't making dolls. Um, but, yeah, an American Girl doll always seemed like, oh, that's what. So when did they come into popularity? Which girls? This, I miss they began, hearing about this even. Uh, 1986. Okay. Um, so this is when I was graduating high school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they were so started by the Pleasant Company. That's the name of the company. The Pleasant? Uh, yeah. And they portray 8 to 11-year-old girls of a variety of ethnicities. That's mildly debatable. Um, sold with accompanying books told from the viewpoint of the girls. So, like I said, this story would have been told through the point of view of the child, of the girl. 
Originally, the stories focused on various periods of American history, but in 1995, they expanded to include characters and stories from contemporary life, which is where they are now. Um, aside from the original American Girl dolls, you now they have these things called um, Truly Me, which start at $200, and you can customize them to look like your child. And the one thing that I thought was cool about the customization, uh, okay, go ahead. there's three skin Still tones. <laughs> there's three skin tones. Right. Um, various hair things, um, including things that are called natural short and natural long that do uh, look like African-American hair. Okay. Um, various eye shapes and colors um, and fa- various face shapes mm. that you can choose. One of the additional accessories that you can do is a hearing aid, which I thought was interesting. They don't have glasses, which I think is odd. Because it's a much more common... um... Mm, Yes, it is. But I guess they haven't been... I mean, you could probably also... My guess is that the, in the accessories shop there are glasses for American girls. So are they all one standard size so that you can They're buy... 18 inches. That's not They're a good. soft body with mm. hard legs and arms. Okay. Um I I had to google American girl permanent underwear earlier so I'm probably on a watch list because apparently um in the early 90s or mid 90s it used to be that every item of clothing could come on and off and you would buy various right. outfits. For a while, they wanted to do like this permanent l- underwear so the soft body would include this white right. part that looked like underwear. And people were like, that makes it cheap. <laughs> it looks like it's um, not a collectible anymore, but is like mass produced. I'm like... Hey, spoiler alert, these motherfuckers are mass-produced, well, but okay. <laughs> I think that there's, um, yeah, I don't understand that. I, it's the same as people who buy toys that they keep inside the original packaging. I, they're toys. Yeah. They're meant to be played with. I right? think I, so. And I think if a girl has a doll, it, it's meant to be a doll. I, I don't know. Yeah. And then, so then they also have like a bitty baby, which is a 15-inch baby doll's. Um, targeted to younger children. The, the actual 18 inch dolls. No. Um, and then they've had various, like, um, there's a Ruthie doll, because they had, like, best friends. Okay, so Ruthie is a character inside this. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think she's been, they, they discontinued that line, so she's probably more expensive than $115. Well, she's a banker's daughter. <laughs> um, but. They are, and then this is actually something that I thought you would think is cool. So there's a, like a YouTube fandom that does these stop motion movies with them. (laughs) Oh, that's weird though. And they're actually fucking impressive because the kids that are doing them are, you know, teen Mm. girls, right? Right. And some of the, like, they're doing, they do music videos or, like, I watched one that was, like, somebody did the, remember the ACL or AL, AL the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Oh, they did it with a little doll, but they didn't, they were, like, at the beginning, it's, like, I did not pour water on my dolls. No dolls were on right. making this thing. Um, but it's this little thing, and it, it looks like a YouTube video. Oh, um 
it looks like a YouTube video where the doll is talking, hey, it's Lindsay, thanks for coming back to my channel, this, that, but it's the doll that's doing it. It's very interesting. I'm just like, that is, and it's a whole thing. There are very talented people. Um, one of my favorite YouTube channels features people who do, I swear, and they, one of them did a very good ghost story, people who go on vacation and shoot movies with their friends on vacation, like full-on fictional narratives. Oh, yeah. While visiting France or visiting Italy about their trip. I really feel like that's what that Escape from Tomorrowland is. There's a movie that was filmed, guerrilla filmed, mm. inside of Disneyland or oh, Disney okay. World, maybe. Right. And it's like a, like a surrealist horror fantasy. Right. I've not seen it. So if that's an incorrect characterization, I apologize. But I know there is like surrealist things where he... They, like, are overwhelmed by the... Mm. And they shot in... You're not allowed to shoot in Disney World. That's not allowed. <laughs> Ask Project the Florida Project people. They'll tell you. No, you cannot film inside the park. Um, but they did it, like, every day for, like, 18 days or something mm. like that until um, they... Yeah, there's a, an amazing amount of talent. It's just sort of... Um, these are people who... 50 years ago, would be working for Roger Corman. Right. <laughs> yeah, now they're just doing their own things and releasing them on YouTube. Right. For sure. Um, yeah, so that's what I know about American Girl Dolls. I didn't they know the first thing about them, to be honest. Super pricey, and I was raised in a trailer. So they are out of my reach. I also am not a doll. Mm -hmm. I like stuffed animals, but I'm not a doll person. Uh, dead eyes. Uh -uh. Uh, <laughs> well, when we were kids, uh, and th this is really the fault of one man. Also, I'm a 38-year-old woman with no children. <laughs> Dolls have not been my thing. Babies are not my thing. It's not my thing. <laughs> They're um, Algernon Blackwood, over 100 years ago, wrote a story called The Doll, uh -huh. about a doll that comes to life at night. And, and then it was redone for billion Yes, times. but it's. It, I like the fact that this whole cultural terror can be based on one well, it's guy. Always, it's all based on one, one thing. One guy did it. Hey. <laughs> that, we've all paid for it ever since. Val Luton um, to right. George Romero to every yeah. third movie on television. Well, I know, but what I mean is that it, it gets carried on that way, and so this whole thing about dolls really comes from one guy. Mm. Um, but really... He had to be picking up on something because I think, same thing with clowns. There uh, are some things that are inherently creepy if looked at at a slant. Right. And enough people look at things at a slant that would see that. Well, there was the, the old Rod Sterling Show Night Gallery had an episode that adapted that story. And we saw that as kids. So my mom had a beautiful doll that she kept on top of a dresser in her room. and. Every day that she wasn't home or my dad wasn't home, we would all sneak in there and turn the doll's face to the wall <laughs> because nobody wanted to stare into those glass Why did you go eyes. in there? That just makes it look like the because doll is moving we, by itself. We knew that when we weren't looking at it, it was walking around. It was house. walking around And then it was walking around Definitely at night and carrying that. its little bulbous head around the doors. I hate that thing. What I thought was interesting about this movie was Kate uh -huh. Kittredge is not a doll person, and that's fine. She's more right. of a tomboy. I saw not doll one in this movie. That's an interesting observation because I hadn't noticed that, that nobody has a doll but their dolls. They're, yes, it's based and, on a doll. 
this is ostensibly doll marketing. That's right. what this is. Oh my god, this is like the little girl's version of He-Man. You know, Transformers. It was like a, a half-hour commercial for buying this toy. Yeah. Um, and, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to although say. Although I do, I do think that there's something really positive in the fact that this is a story about a little girl playing Nancy Drew, mind you, but who... Um, I, I, we need more stories for little girls. Yeah. And this one isn't so bad as, as these kind of stories But also of little, not just for little girls, mm. because I would argue that this could be for anyone. Right. I don't know why only little girls can watch stories about little girls, but anybody no. can watch stories about boys. I, um... I, Sorry, there are some memes seeping into my face right now. I have... I saw a film, an animated film, from around the same time, maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, on the re- Not recommendation of a friend. A friend of mine brought it up that she'd watched the movie Thumbelina, the animated film, when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. This was also a film aimed at, at little girls. Mm. Um... The entire film is Thumbelina being kidnapped by a variety of frogs, insects, and other creatures, and moles, who all want to marry her. And they're constantly pawing at her, and she's escaping them because she wants to be married to the Prince of the Fairies. This is a, an entire children's film Why about sexual harassment. Why does she want to be married to anybody? Isn't she, like, a child in that thing? No, no, she's, she's, gr- she's a grown woman. I know she's wee. Right. But is, I thought she was a young wee thing, not no, 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 no. an old wee uh, thing. No, 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 she's sort of like an adolescent wee thing, and so is the Prince of the Fairies. But there's this long, the entire film is about long adventure with everyone, you know, not even remotely human, trying to marry her and trying to fondle her and trying to kidnap well, her. she's and not human either, to be fair. So it was just this very odd film, going, this is really what was being marketed towards children. Oh, yeah. And so you... Now, again, that would be around the time the American Girl Dolls came out. This film was much later. Yeah. But Children's so, Entertainment. So, yeah, this movie came out in 2008, right. as we know, because that's the theme, right? 2008. And um, at the same time, so the films, they're, they're more than just this one. This is the mm-hmm. only one that was theatrically released. Uh, American Girl teamed with Julie Roberts' Red Ohm production company in 2004 and they did a direct-to-video movie samantha an american girl holiday uh followed by felicity an american girl adventure molly an american girl on the home front um and then this and then hbo premiered an american girl carissa stands strong in 2009 in 2012 there was a direct-to-video movie mckenna shoots for the stars um, and then Sage Paints the Sky was uh, released in 2013 and television film entitled Isabel Dances into the Spotlight based on the Girl of the Year, which is another thing that they have, a Girl mm-hmm. of the Year uh, for 2014, Isabel Palmer. And then a ninth film based on the 2015 Girl of the Year, Grace Thomas, was released under the title American Girl, uh, Grace Stirs Up Success. And then there have been web specials and things, too. So there are nine feature-length... Yeah, and then the earliest of them... Oh, ten. Because then there's Melody, 1963, Love Has to Win. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) Uh, So there's a whole series of films. This is the only one, though, that was... Theatrically. Theatrically released. Yeah, but what I meant to say is that I like the idea that you're watching... Entertainment geared towards young girls that is not, well, that's showing 
children. I mean, more or less doing heroic things and all, but being children. Yeah. Because in watching that Thumbelina film, it occurred to me that it's this character is just sort of turned into a sexual commodity yep. and shopped around. And Too often that is true of female cartoon characters. But not just cartoon characters. Generally. I remember the original film version of a series of unfortunate events. Emily Browning is how old in that film? Oh, yeah. She's, and yeah. she's walking around in heels and fishnet stockings. Oh. And so... Was that from the books? I didn't read the books. No. You should read the books. Um, but... Yeah, put a child in flats, please. Right. I don't understand the sort of need to make her this way or to... Heels accentuate way. sexual characteristics. That's what they're for. Mm-hmm. And also make you taller. Maybe she just wanted to be taller. She is a short girl, I understand. I, I, let me double check that, because... Well, Emily Browning's been sexually commodified in uh, everything she's ever been in, I want to say. Heavily thanks to Zack Snyder. Um, that film is so problematic. Sucker Punch is what Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's super problematic. I, yeah. Tim Burton and Zack Snyder. Could we just have them be uh, production designers and not actually directors? That'd be great. What's up? And nothing. I was just checking the image to make sure. It's sort of like heel boots, actually. Oh, and okay. The stockings are also on her arms. But there's a weird kind of Victoriana kind of thing going on yeah. there that I just, even when I was watching the movie, going, she's what? a very beautiful child. Yes. This but is a weird. I um, child. It's very, very weird. And yeah. it, it, the fact that the whole plot is also around a grown man trying to marry her. That's true. And that was uncomfortable. We're watching yeah, Jim Carrey, who like is that. three times her age, At trying least. to marry her. At least. All throughout the film, and that's I the whole plot. Um, yeah. And that, so it was really nice seeing something, and these are girls from a, a younger age, a physically yeah. younger age. Right. But at the same time, we're watching them be kids, be kids. and doing kid things, do and kid things, yeah. you know, make secret packs in tree houses. Yes, because we we've um, yeah we sexualize girls all the time. We do something different. The boy in this film is a compassionate kid who's trying to care for the feelings of his mother. Yes, who tries to reconnect. He is again not the adventure hero type. He's no, not he's not. He's no, there's no stuff. macho in the child, right. and, and that's so, fine. And that's fine because you're showing a different kind of boy. And the sort of because what we're getting is a retread of Huckleberry Finn every time you see it. Boys yeah. were in and, danger. And but, fortunately, there's right. also none of that. Is this kid a sissy? Like there's right. none of that. No, either. there's none of that because he's also not. He's just with friends with them. Yeah. He's just friends. Sterling. His name is Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I, I, I appreciated what the film was doing. And there was, like, uh, I read, somebody said there, there, or there was generally favorable critics' reviews, but one of those critics was like, um, he called it, like, rote and predictable and said that the performances were bad, and I'm like, <clears throat> do you know you are watching a children's right. film? Excuse me, sir. Do you know that this was a film marketed to children? Now, you can do an adult film marketed to children that tries to appeal to adult sensibilities. And when you do that, you have Where the Wild Things Are, which was uh, a children's classic that then, like, 
I love the, yes. the through the eyes of Spike Jones. Why? I love the. Why are those the eyes we're looking? He said he showed this film to his daughter, and her first thing was, "Mom, why are all the monsters so sad?" It's like they just sort of sit around moping all the time. And, and that was that. a film made to appeal to adults. And yeah. Like, then make a film for adults. And yeah. Don't... To 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 say right. that a, a a plot is predictable right. when you're targeting children. You're missing the point, dude. Of course it's predictable. That's the whole point. <laughs> you right. want these kids to be on the same page. Well, because you can make a film, and Pixar has done it sometimes, that sort of go on a line. Yeah. I don't think that kids understand what makes Toy Story 3 so good, for instance. I think they, adults, they grow into it. Right, <laughs> they grow, grow into, into understanding that. But not every story. First, is it's that just way. the most horrifying thing ever. Right. Why is this so scary? But it's they'll grow into it, and that's a good thing when you can grow up with a story like that. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes for the purposes of children, you just sort of need to talk to them on their level. Yes. And they need to be able to. And have there's something. nothing wrong with right, that. Right. There's nothing wrong with it. And this is not junk. It's obviously beautifully produced. It's yeah. wonderfully. There, it, there's no cheap ways out on this film. They didn't cheap out on the cast. No, they, they didn't, didn't cheat out on the production values. They didn't cheat out on a really good sense of period. And like ridiculous acting. The, right. the, the borders are doing ridiculous acting. They're meant to be doing ridiculous right. acting. And it doesn't feel like they're like. So I no, guess they, we're doing a kids movie. Joan like Cusack they felt seems like, to love every moment of being her yes. weird, weird character. And Stanley Tucci didn't uh-huh. feel like he was. No miserable to be there and you know what i mean like all yeah. of these like legit good actors are like fucking let's make this kids movie right <laughs> like and let's do this understanding again that it was for kids it's not right. for adults it's not you know you're, you're the parent watching it there might be a, a couple this of things is the kids, same no. dude that's like the wrinkle in time was too earnest oh go fuck yourself there's no well it was different from the book that i read growing up it is its own thing and that's but earnestness is not a bad thing in a children. It's not a bad thing in an adult film. The book but is earnest. Yes, exactly. And, the, and it wasn't written for you because yeah. you're what? I don't know how old this gentleman is. You already think the world sucks, and there's nothing we can right. do to change it. It's so just, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, I that was, that bothered me because that was the one thing where I saw there's a, you know, some critics felt. Yeah, well, oh, so that it was a kids movie, and they fucking forgot it was a kids movie. Yeah, no. If this acting was in an R-rated comedy or an R- or not an, an R-rated like an R-rated drama, uh-huh. I'd be like, this is some bullshit. And we've actually seen R-rated dramas with this level of acting. We just mentioned Sucker Punch, but oh. <laughs> yes, I the any was that movie rated R? Scenes of exposition where people are pointing at each other. That's a mark of forced acting when people talk to each other like this. Yeah, put your finger like, away, sir. Like, Nobody needs just, that. It's like such a obvious yeah. gesture, and yeah. you're like, why? Why is the adult? Would you do that? Right I have to say that the child cast. Oh, this movie because is, our president does it. So what are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring him up. It was an accident. But um, not my child. Brother. Actors are very good. The adult actors yes. are. I actually, you know, again, I'm a snob, but I I enjoyed it while I was it watching was it. Fun. I, I, it was a good movie. It wasn't intended for me, so I'm not the audience for this film. But I think having seen that there are so many other worse kinds of entertainment for children. Oh yeah, and for so sure. many other worse kinds of behavior that they could model. This is a, a a good story. This is not The Little Mermaid where 
Okay. You swim around and be sexy and tell your parents to go, you know, go fly a kite or go swim in the ocean. Uh, rebel against your, you know, authority and then do what you like and then suffer horribly for it and sell yours. Like, what message was this film trying to give you? <laughs> a little bit rough. Yeah. All right. So that comes to the end of the that discussion. Do mm. you, right. sir, have a recommendation? I do. But like my recommendation for the last few weeks, which might make you believe that I'm a serial killer, dun, dun, dun. this film is not for everyone. I like horror films. I write ghost stories. This film was recommended to me by someone in my group. It's called Hereditary. It's out in theaters now, kids. Yes, it is. If, don't If you're a kid, don't watch it. Right. Oh, God, no. <laughs> now, this is a film... No spoilers, I so good spoilers, luck. So it's very difficult, but it's a film about relationships inside of a family and there's scenes of intense physical violence that mirror the kind of emotional violence that happened in three generations of this family. Yep. Um, Grief and, and relationships. Right. That's what it's Grief about. Grief and relationships. And so right when the film reaches an emotional peak, peak, it can take a real violent turn. If you are familiar at all with the work, those of you in the audience, with Mario Bava or Dario Argento, these really kind of sudden violent flashes of, of violence as beauty, and this, that's kind of what this film is done in the spirit of. There's a scene here completely worthy of Dario Argento. That's not a thing that everybody needs to see. No, it's... Um, <laughs> it gets very surreal and it's very intense. Violent. It's also long. If for a horror movie, it is two hours and seven minutes long. Mm -hmm. It needs that time, and it does good with that time, right. but it's... You're going to be stressed at the end and of the film. Yes, if it was, and this is no denigration of, of that kind of film, if it was a Blumhouse collection of jump scares, um, that would not fly at two hours and seven minutes. No, you can't keep that up. This is closer to... Plus, it doesn't need that. The That's, Shining? Yeah. Or The Wicker Man, a movie that's actually kind of long. Also, things like building. It Follows. Right. It's building up to something, and I think that's my favorite kind of horror film, is the one that asks you to sort of take a trip with it, and you're there, and you're following it, and it goes at such a genteel pace that you don't know that you're accepting all these strange things until the end where you're like, what the hell am I looking at? Yeah. But it is a very good film, and there are really great performances in it. Yeah. Tony, uh, Tony Collette, Collette is, is revelatory in it. Right. She is Which is strange, phenomenal. because she's... She's great Fantastic in, in everything, everything. But this is another level of performance from her. Um, yeah, I, I, there's really not much more to say. You don't want to say, don't watch trailers, don't read anything about it. Yeah. If you like horror and you have a strong stomach, go see <laughs> right. Hereditary. Yes, because this is not, this is a more exorcist level of horror than kind of. This um, had me in the theater, uh, literally under my breath. Just full on like that chick from Get Out. No, 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 Just like, no, 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 no. Like, this is happening? I don't want this to be happening. Well, there's also, I was sitting next to somebody who tried at one point shutting her eyes. Yeah, no. And it's like, no, the sound effects are carrying it. Because the thing is, there is like a hum through almost the entire film. Right. So, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I don't want to say anything, anything else, more, but, but it is, yeah, it's very good it's very, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah. Also, so again, that warning, if, if you're familiar with these other directors I've mentioned, if you're familiar with this kind of film, it 
and it's a pity. It's one of those things where I couldn't get my mom to ever watch Silence of the Lambs. And you, on one level, she would really appreciate the performances, yeah. but she would not sit through all that. No, it's too much. Yeah. And so, I that's the kind of caveat I would give. It's that kind of movie where there's so much good, but if you're not ready for what you're going to wind up seeing, and we've warned you. Yeah. It's intense. Yes, it is. Believe that. We're not kidding. We're not talking about it. <laughs> it is very intense. Um, on the other hand, I'm going to talk about a fluff movie. Okay. Also in theaters. Ocean's Eight. Oh, yes. Which is a really great movie, too. So, if you want to watch Kate Blanchett looking hot as fuck in some pantsuits and watch a bunch of ladies steal a bunch of shit, this movie is for you. <laughs> I really, I liked it a lot. We saw it this weekend, um, opposite Hereditary. Right. <laughs> and, uh, In the bookends of our week. It's a pretty low stakes heist, but I love a heist of any stake level. The actresses are all so, so good. Rihanna is so good in it. I'm just like, oh, finally, she's not in Battleship. I liked her in... Uh, the French science fiction movie, actually. She was yes, Valerian, Valerian as Bubble. Yes. Bubble. <laughs> I thought that was cute. So this movie has, a, if you have heard of an actress, she's probably in this movie. Mm. Not Jennifer Lawrence, everyone else. And it's Sandy Bullock is taking on the role of George Clooney's sister. In the, sister. in the character sister. Mm. In the Ocean's... Uh, mythos, <laughs> if that's a thing. Um, and she gets out of jail and promptly goes to Kate Blanchett to help her Who's uh, your old play partner? the heist. And I'm going to go ahead and say I'm a little aggravated because it's pretty clear that they are in a relationship and that it's never discussed on screen. I think actually, in some ways, that was kind of cute because I kept approaching the film as, are they? <laughs> and... And from everyone that I've heard, uh-huh. lesbian to non-lesbian, it's like, right. oh yeah, they were fucking. Right. But they never talk about it on screen. And I'm like, well, it would have been pretty easy to just acknowledge it, and then you actually have a lesbian right. couple. But, but as it is, right. you don't. Exclusively, <laughs> I mean, if anything, uh, Sandra Bullock's character is bisexual. Oh yeah, I guess so. About framing her that's boyfriend. right. She was dating that other dude. Um, that's right. That's right. That's right. But uh, Kate Blanchett, um, Sandra Bullock. Yes, I'm sorry. I did just erase bisexuality, and I apologize. Um, Aquafina, Minnie Kane. Aquafina is. I can't wait till she has her own movie because right. she's so good, and she's going to be in Crazy Rich Asians, which is another and movie I'm super excited weird. about. Weird. I love she's her. She's very bizarre erratic and energy. very funny. And Fucking um, Rihanna smoking. Huge blunts. Uh, Mindy Kaling. Kaling. Who are the other ones? Oh, Anne Hathaway. No, Anne Hathaway, who I love. And And she... Is hysterical in this movie. She is... It might be her best performance in the last few years. Like, what she's doing... I can't agree with that, because she's really good. uh, The kaiju film that she did. Yes, that's true. She is very good in that. But this movie... The way that she gets into that, she has to wrap around on her own self because what she is doing is blowing up everything people say about Anne Hathaway inside of this character. And it's 
fucking so it's good. Really, yes, because you hear a lot about this sort of vain, self-absorbed drama, you know. People drama saying club that she tries of. too hard. Motherfucker, you're supposed to try. Right. Like, I don't, uh, what is, how is that I mean, a... I've liked her since that's when she did, uh, what was the princess... The Ella Enchanted or The Princess Diaries? The Princess Diaries, she when she posted that, she did an interview on television where I just thought, oh my god, she's adorable, whoever this is. She is adorable, so, and people want to vilify her for being excited right. about doing well in the thing that she, that, loves, that to she really loves to do, and it's just like... So That's what everyone should. She takes Lin those, Manuel Miranda does uh, the same thing, right. and he's America's sweetheart. And it's like super unfair. <laughs> like yeah, it's it is. super unfair. You know, I've always liked her. So when I got to see the fact that she is really when she got the Academy Award, yeah, uh, and she deserved it just for that one song, that performance during that song yeah, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. But when I'm looking at like uh, what is the name of it? Colossal? Yeah. And even this film, that she is a really versatile actress. She, is. she goes for it with this because kind of people would say with this performance uh-huh. that she's not doing anything. Oh no, she is. She's doing she so is. much. She is yeah. really. And, and then um, you might not catch everything she's doing the first Elena, time. Either. Yeah, no. She's, Elena um, Bottom Carter is in it doing an Irish accent for yes. no reason. That was her idea. Wow. Well, they go. add in that she's Irish. There's uh-huh. a, but she's doing an mm. Irish accent just because. It's good. She's doing a good job. That's not her accent. See, uh, when you say low stakes, right? I, I there's no threat of violence. Well, they they might have go to, to jail, maybe, but probably not. Well, that, that's and good, what is right. the, there's a quick thing where she's like, "Food's not not as bad as you think." And what is and I can't remember what solitary the, can and be so, nice. solitary can be nice, yeah, or something like that. Where it's like, well, it's just. Yeah. The whole point of a heist movie, though, is not necessarily the threat of physical violence. The whole point of a heist movie is the plan. And that's what this film is about. A really elaborate, and I have to say in the end, surprising plan. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed it a lot. It was really fun. I love a heist movie. I love a heist movie. Am I going to probably watch Hurricane Heist soon? Yes. Because you want to see all the little bits and pieces fit together. Yes. the, the, The appeal of a heist movie is seeing people who are smarter than you are. Yeah. Trying to we're, figure out... We're at, because I'm... From frame one of any movie, I'm trying to figure it out. It's not on purpose. Right. It's just the way that my brain is wired. Yeah. And so if you can fool me for like two-thirds of a movie, I'm like, yeah. If I can guess in 30 seconds, I'm mad. Right. I'm mad about it. Well, um, for heist movies, though, yeah. I almost never try and figure it out. I let the pieces fall when they tell me. So I can turn off the thing... Mechanism. For whatever reason. See, one of the things that is really disappointing about the Mission Impossible films dun, 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 dun. is that the Mission Impossible... I call them set pieces, one through six. Right. Because there's not much more going on nope. than the set pieces. You don't remember what the plot is. I time. don't know. Right. I've seen every one of those movies, and I couldn't tell you plot point one. Sometimes you go rogue. There's a ghost protocol. <laughs> right. That's it. That's well, see, what I know. The appeal of the Sometimes TV show. Sometimes Tom Cruise hangs from various planes or helicopters. It looks like he's doing that again. Yeah. And sometimes he lets his stuntman fight really big guys. 
Um, he does a lot more of his own stunts than you would think, which he, almost kills his co-stars, turns out. Lacks so... Well, never mind. I'm not going to be yes. critical of him. Well, David Oyelowo was wounded on one of the sets of one of the Mission because Impossible movies because he kept crashing. Right. Yeah, it's um, not good. <laughs> so, one of the appeals of the television show when it was on years oh, ago. Oh, the TV show. I don't know. The TV that. show was <laughs> a heist every week. That's why I like Leverage. Right. It was very much like Leverage. It was get a, get a team of people together, have them do this ridiculous plan, and pull it off. And the disappointment of the, the films is that they've become basically like Bond movies. Yeah. It's not really about a group of people and getting together the right team and getting them to all fill their parts. It's been about watching Tom Cruise run around and drop right. out of helicopters and things. Right. And so I kind of miss that sort of, are they going to pull it off? Are they not yeah. going to pull it off? Are they going to get caught at the last minute? And, and things like that. And that This film kind of had it for me. I was watching a trailer for the next Mission Impossible movie well. We were waiting yes. to see it. And at the end of Ocean's 8, mm-hmm. I'm like, why couldn't it? Why couldn't Mission Impossible be more like this? this yeah. Because yeah, this no. would be more in the spirit of what Mission Impossible used to yeah. be. Yeah, it's a caper, and it is a caper, and all of the people mm. were super fun. Right, all the characters were super fun. Like, can we make four more of these? Right, order them up. I like them very much. Apparently, it did very well at the box office. Well, so did we'll better than Ocean's then. Eleven. So, right. great. One thing, honestly, I don't know if it was her makeup or if she's had Botox done. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock's face was distracting to me. When they would do sh- close-ups on it, it looked like a mask. And I don't know if it's just, like, the airbrushing of the makeup or I think there was what's also... going on. But I was just like, Sandra Bullock, I love your face. What's happening with your face right now? There's... She... I think it might have been also a choice in a weird way. Maybe. To make her sort of nondescript. Make her look like you don't know what's going on in her head. In her head. She's wearing sunglasses through 80% of the movie. has one of the best smiles ever put on film. She does. Yeah. She is almost never smiling in the course of this film. No, she's not. She's very much a bright slate. I think that's kind of what she was going for. I think that was probably a choice. Maybe. Is to make it so that you don't know what she's So it is very much like a mask. Because the rest of the actresses get to emote a lot. Yeah. Anne Hathaway runs wild. Oh my God, she's... And barefoot. (laughs) Um, feel so big! (laughs) And so, uh, and of course, I don't think you could stop... um, Rihanna. Rihanna. Bellatrix. Oh, uh, yeah. Helena Bottom Carter. Helena Bottom Carter, who's extraordinarily fine-boned and beautiful, but one of she the... She looked fantastic One of the this. great things, even She earlier, looked better in this than I've seen right. her look in ages. Well, because you've seen Bellatrix, there's like... There's, nah, maybe, there's a yeah, she's period not so... Literally yeah. a hag, right? Yeah. So when you're watching even her early films, kind of what was appealing about her is that she was this really striking-looking woman was constantly fidgeting and nervous looking, like her eyes were always shifting. Yeah, yeah. Her body. And here, she plays it up to her, like she's constantly yeah. in motion. She's but that's like, the whole thing with right. that character, that yeah. She's like having a nervous wreck because Kate Blanchett and to a greater extent Sandra Bullock are so glassy smooth that you can't yeah. tell what's going on so everyone else is nervous as hell. Yeah. Well, because, except Rihanna because she's high. Right. She's high most of the time. 
or almost all the time. I don't know if there's a shot where she isn't high. But, I, I think it's intended that she is right. just high all the time. But the idea, I think, with her that it was a conscious choice to make it seem like you don't know what she's thinking. Yeah, maybe that's and true. everyone else Because it was out. distracting to me. Even right. from the very beginning, when she's ostensibly in jail, mm-hmm. I'm like, your face is flawless to a degree that I'm just like, how long did the mm. makeup people airbrush you? To just get rid of any, anything. Right. No, but yeah, you almost never see her eyes in this movie either. She's wearing sunglasses. Yeah, I think it was a good choice. And the the cast of the film, the casting of the film is remarkable. Even James Corden. Yeah, James Corden comes in at the end. end. You have two of these things. It's very funny. funny lines. He's really good. Yeah. Everyone worked out. I really appreciated it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was super fun. Um... Linda uh, Linda Holmes um, talked about. I listened to the Pop Culture Happy Hour episode uh-huh. on it, and she um, cited a source or cited a friend who called these things Poppy Field movies. Mm-hmm. And those are movies where if you're flipping like a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. and it's on, it's just on. You you yeah. you found yourself in it and you cannot get out of it. This is a Poppy Field movie. So to me, are the first two Oceans movies. Like Ocean's Pacific Eleven Rim. and Ocean's Twelve. Pacific Rim is a movie that I'm just oh there I am. There's Shawshank I can't oh. turn off. Pitch Perfect now the Pitch Perfect yeah. movies very much fall into that. I didn't like the third one, but I can see that the first movie. I, I've always the, the, here's the thing with Pitch Perfect. I'm always waiting for that other scene I like, and then when I've seen that scene, it's like oh there's that other scene. That I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. oh that's, this is where she sings. Oh this she's part. gonna sing okay. this song, right. and then they're gonna sing this song. Right, oh so. I should listen until they. Well, yeah, that's that that's one has kind of these. What it is. Yeah, these um. The, this trail of right. <laughs> goodies that have been left behind. But yeah, so this is like a Poppy Field movie, and I like that term. Right. Yeah, I think Black Panther is going to do that. I mean, there are... I think Doctor Strange does that now. Oh, uh, any I of mean, the Harry Potter movies. I know. I, <laughs> or all of them. You've when seen me do that, where yeah. I wind up just sort of dropping into the Harry Potter thing, thinking... And then, oops, this is a marathon. Right. <laughs> and the, the, the problem is, with it's... Pretty much the same thing when you're watching a Harry Potter marathon when they're running them on whatever child ch- children's channel that you know that these films are far too dark and scary for most of the time. Freeform. Um, I'm watching it and I'm thinking I'm going to wait till this scene and then I'll change it and I realize oh this scene is in the film after this so I'm watching the entire film and watching it going oh okay there we go that's the scene I, I watched up till the scene I was looking for <laughs> yeah no so two different films Hereditary and films. Ocean's Eight. Um, so we, this is the end of June. We made it. Huzzah. Um, so we have picked our movies for July. I will tell you what they are now. Mm -hmm. If you want to prep, get ready. Uh, these are four movies I haven't seen. So I don't think you've seen them either. I think we've got another four that we're not going to, that are going to be totally new to both of us. And for 1978, we are watching Animal House. I don't know how I feel about it. For 1988, we are watching A Fish Called Wanda. Uh, I've heard tell that uh, Jen from I Never Saw That, that's like her favorite movie. And I've never seen it. Um, For 1999... (laughs) I I, want to see it because I knew a very sensitive young man I used to work with at Home Book Company when when this film first came out who was devastated by seeing this movie. Oh, no. 
And it was a comedy, but he was just like so many animals. So and I have no oh idea no, what that okay, means. okay. So I, I'm really anxious to see what. So this prep. <laughs> then we're gonna watch from 1999 or 1998, excuse me, July of 1998, uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, which I've never seen. And finally, from 2008, Mamma Mia. I'm a snob. Have I mentioned this before? Yeah, I'm. I'm worried about Mamma Mia. Uh. So, June and July of 2008, rough years. Or, well, that's not true. We've seen all the good stuff. Right. So, <laughs> the Dark Knight also came out in June of 2008, or July of 2008. But it'd be we cheating if we watched here. it. Yeah. I that night. Yeah. So, Step Brothers came out, seen it. Garden Party, I don't know what that is. Hellboy 2, seen it. Journey mm. to the Center of the Earth, seen it. So, Hancock, seen it. And thus, Mamma Mia, it is. And apropos, since apparently they're doing it again? Is there a third one? I thought Second. It was... Oh. Mamma okay. Mia 2. I lost track. It's coming out this summer. Meryl well, Streep's not in it. Okay, then I Because it's going to go back. I was under the impression that there were three films because I heard about that. I just assumed it came in one. Oh, yeah, no. It hasn't come out it's yet. It's like, I don't know how many British. No, no, no. This is a made. movie that they are. Telling you about a whole bunch before it happens. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it's a warning or what's going on. So that's our July lineup. Uh-huh. Uh, so watch along with us, and then at some or point, warn us that we shouldn't do it. No, we're definitely what doing is it. Laura Mars. Laura Mars is August of two thousand or August of nineteen seventy-eight. So it's the first week of August. We'll probably do that one out of order, mm-hmm. but. Okay, we'll record it out of order. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But next week, Animal House. Also next week, 4th of July, so happy Independence Day, we'll be on vacation. But the episode will happen. The episode will vacation. happen. Vacation. I will be on my Barton Fink vacation. Will we know? We're going to go to Reno, go to a Reno, whole different state. And she's going to go to a concert, and I'm going to lock myself in a he's room. He's also going to that concert, so lock he's locking himself into the room while I'm going to day drink at the pool. That's totally so that different. I can finish writing because apparently I need isolation. Yeah, so we're going to Reno uh, for the beginning of July, but we will post an episode, Absolutely. the Animal House episode, next week. Alrighty, so thank you so much for listening. We are on social media at LatecomersPod on Twitter, LatecomersPod at gmail.com to email us. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. Um, I know they don't make it easy, so I'm sorry for that. And if I could make it easier, I would, but I don't know how to do that. I think that's everything. So that's it for this week. And remember... Better late late than than never. You love it. Uh.